This is the Urban Jellicle Podcast. Welcome to Urban Jellicle. My name is Mike Kelly. The last two episodes, we've explored how God is raising up leaders around the globe through two of our City to City friends, David Whitehead and Al Barth. If you haven't heard those yet, go back and listen. There's uh, encouraging reports, insightful encouragements, and a lot of fruit to be born from their ministry. Today, however, we're going to focus on what we trust God will be doing in the Northwest through the Northwest Church Planting Network to raise up the next generation of leaders here. The Northwest Church Planting Network began about 20 years ago, and during that time, God has been extremely faithful to us. We've planted 20 churches. In fact, last year, 2020, was the first time we were able also to partner directly with a campus ministry called RUF, which is the campus ministry arm of the Presbyterian Church in America. We were part of uh, instigating a work at Oregon State University in partnership with one of our former church plants, Christ Central. We're excited to see what God will do there. If you go to nwcpnetwork.com, in case you found us on a web platform, you can find all these icons. You can click on them. You can learn about what God is doing in those communities and see a map array of the geography of the work we do here with our ministry. Those 20 years have given us an encouragement to face the challenges and opportunities of the next 20 years, which we'll focus on now for just a few moments before we talk about how we're going to hopefully raise up leaders to meet those challenges and realize those opportunities. The data that you see here and some of the other material that we'll cover comes from the great opportunity. You can see the website there. That was a study funded by the Pine Tops Foundation. Go check that out. You can find out a lot more about uh, what's going to happen. We trust what we anticipate in the next 30 years and also where their research and data came from. What I want to point out now is that what they anticipate is that 35 million young people who are growing up in the church today will leave the faith in the next 30 years. That's tragic. And it's probably like the rest of these numbers, something we're already seeing, those of us doing frontline ministry. During that same period of time, the number of people in the United States, the percentage who self-identify as Christians, that definition is as broad as the number of people that are responding. But that percentage will drop from 73 to 59%. And as you can see at the bottom of that panel, the number of people who identify as having no religious preference, which, by the way, doesn't mean they'll do any religion. It means they prefer to have none, will double. It will grow by 50 million people we anticipate in the next 30 years. That's more challenge than opportunity, unless you see it um, through the eyes of Christ, which we will in a moment. But first, let's connect something to those numbers and start to ask about what God is going to do and has done in the past when the North American church has faced similar seasons. This graph that you see in front of you identifies the number of churches planted per million U.S. residents from the year 1800 to the year 2000. Before the 1800s, in the late 1700s, deism and other influences had eroded the church in significant ways, even after the First Great Awakening. 
in at the turn of the century into the 19th century, there was a revival. The Second Great Awakening brought a tremendous uh, surge of church planting. You can see that that trend goes up and down, but it's strong all the way through the 1880s and 1890s when it starts to drop with the exception of the understandable decline in church planting during the tragedy of the Civil War. What I want to focus on today, though, is what happened in the 20th century. Well, there's a lot that happened in the 20th century. Uh, I'm not a historian or a sociologist, but I, I study and read, as many of us do, in those fields. And we understand theologically that during the latter part of the 1800s, and even before, modernism and critical uh, text theory had eroded the confidence of the church, or much of it, in the scriptures. Uh, scientific worldview had decided that miracles were impossible, and the faith and confidence of many Christians eroded. That is still something that's bearing a sad kind of fruit today. But also World War I came, and then World War II, and there was a tremendous uh, declension of church planting in the United States. During the apex of the United States self-confidence deserved or not after World War II and the tremendous prosperity when we identified as a Christian nation, whether or not we lived up to those ideals, of course, is a matter of debate. In many ways, we didn't. But the reality is, is that there was a little surge after that period of time, but then it soon declined. Also, and importantly, in the 40s and after, the parachurch ministries became um, profound movers in ministry on the North American and then the global scene. In any event, all these factors work together in the church and its confidence with the ministry being done and outreach by other entities. Well, the church took its eye off the church planting prize, and we need to change that. Uh, look at the New Testament reveals that starting new churches and of course, strengthening the churches that exist is the central means by which Jesus wants us to fulfill the Great Commission. And of course, he still does want us to fill that, despite the fact that we live, quite frankly, in an age in the West that's discouraging. Jesus, however, said in these famous words from Matthew 9, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Those are hard words to believe for those of us who live in the Western United States and really in uh, the Western part of the world as Christianity seems to wane. But they're true nonetheless because Jesus has committed his own blood and life and resurrection to filling the whole earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. We're going to pray that prayer. We're going to uh, work towards its fulfillment because we believe that Jesus calls things that are not as though they are and makes them so. The question is, how are we going to do that prayerfully at the Northwest Church Planning Network? Well, our response is to build leaders right here. That's going to take a change in culture in our churches and expectations of our young people, which is a big part of our hope and our plan. Before we look at that, let's take a look at these words from Mark Chaves. He's uh, written American Religion. He's a religious sociologist, does a lot of outstanding work. This book is from 2012. The trends have not changed. If anything, they've become more acute. But to put this diagram or this graph in perspective, this charts the number of college students who anticipate going into ministry. 
Go back to 1860, before the Civil War, and 20% of college students anticipated become, becoming clergy. About one in 10, or excuse me, 10, excuse me, 10 in 1,000, or about 1% became clergy in the 60s. In the 80s, when I went to seminary, that was 0.4%, uh, or 4 in 1,000. And then it dropped down to about 2010, there was only 0.2%, or 2 in 1,000. I need to encourage the church, its leaders, its youth leaders, and mostly its parents, if we want to respond to the call to bring the gospel, we'll say, back to our communities, then we need to change that culture. We need to consider what we're going to do with young, almost men like this. This picture was taken at Trinity Church Seattle a few weeks ago during one of our COVID services. These 10-ish year old boys were in the balcony. They were getting ready to take part in the service, and I clicked the shot. And I want to ask you whether or not any of these men or, or the men and women in our congregations now of this age will ever go into ministry. Well, you know, of course they will. The question is, what will we do to help them? The fact of the matter is, every pastor you heard, every women's ministry leader you heard, every music leader you heard, uh, church planters, certainly, this last Sunday and next was a 10-year-old kid sitting in a pew, probably. I wasn't sitting in pews at 10, but most and many of them are. Maybe bored out of their minds, but they're going to be the church planters in 20 years. In my age, we just waited for a guy like me to call my pastor and tell him I was thinking about seminary. We can't do that anymore. That's not how the church has operated uh, during its 2,000 years. The church is always, certainly uh, in the West, in the last 150 years or 125 years ago, the church expected, families expected, every one of the children growing up in the church to pray at a, at a missions retreat or a youth camp uh, or at some time about whether or not they should go into the mission field, whether or not they should become a pastor. No doubt some people answered the wrong call, but that's not our problem now. So to build leaders here, we need to build this pipeline that you're seeing float up onto the screen now. It involves creating a calling culture, giving a lab for people to experiment with that a little bit, practicums, which intensify their involvement, academics, which fortify their minds, and we trust their hearts as well, uh, assessment and missional support. We're going to look at categories that we're building as a network underneath all of those, a number of them are up and going. All of them will become more robust, Lord willing, over the next couple of years. But first, I want us to see that this is a 10 or 12-year process. Those um, young boys we saw a minute ago, by the time they start to engage a process like this, they'll have a 10-year run. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But first, let's take a look at some of its components. The calling culture is about changing the expectations that the church has now about whether or not its young people should consider ministry. Not all should go, but all should consider. We're going to, and already have in place, you'll hear more about it in a future episode, we have a profile of rising leaders. We've identified by um, examining what those marks are that were in all of us who do ministry and we see in others, so that we can have uh, 
profile to look and evaluate and consider so that parents and youth leaders and pastors and elders can approach young people and ask them to engage a process of call discernment. That will lead to a calling culture or the call to calling where we expect and encourage our churches and parents to have these discussions in an appropriate way with our young people. And as we know, those ages between 18 and 22 are so formative. We'll be partnering with uh, vocational tracking and college ministries, and we're going to be engaging young people during that season of life. For those who have an interest peaked or the questions become more acute, we have calling labs. We're going to identify uh, mentors that can walk through the early stages of discernment and calling with them in a very casual relational setting. Also, already up and going, you'll hear more about this in future episodes as well. The Seattle Leadership Institute is a collaborative effort between the Northwest Church Planning Network and a number of other leaders in the city not part of our denomination, but part of the evangelical world that Christ has raised up here. We're gathering these rising leaders, these leaders that match that profile. We've got 12 of them in a cohort now. They meet twice a month, and they explore ministry in the Northwest in a local church setting under the mentorship of the leaders that are involved and a cohort system where they build community, most importantly, across denominational lines so that the church can work together side by side. It's very exciting. We're not going to leave it there, though, because next along the track of development, for those who explore calling and perhaps are now considering more deeply a vocational call to ministry rather than the the significant impact that can be um, realized through lay leaders, We've developed something called PACRIM. PACRIM is the Pacific Residency and Internship Ministry. It's sponsored by the network, and it offers two modules, as is uh, explained in the name or identified in the name. The first is a summer internship of 10 weeks embedded at a local congregation, uh, mentored by the pastor, doing real ministry at a real church on a corner. This helps the person get immersed in what it's like to do uh, ministry as a vocation. They also meet once a week in a learning community cohort where local practitioners talk to them about different elements, leadership development, a spiritual formation, gospel communication, the first year or 18 months of a church plant. And then they go back to either school or usually because it's a summer program or sometimes it integrates well with their other vocation, depending on what they're doing at the time. For those who feel a call and have it confirmed by the network to plant a church, they enter into a two-year residency where they do ministry, ordained ministry in a local church for two years while they explore and develop their ministry skills and identify a target community where at the end of those two years, just like a medical school and residency model, they'll be ready to take on their own church plant. Academics is an important part of the formation and development of ministers. And during this time, all of these uh, rising leaders will have access to our Center for Theology and Mission. It's not a seminary, but it's in partnership with two seminaries. We have gathered together 
from across denominational lines, uh, nine PhD professors from the Northwest. These are ministers who are doing ministry at a local church, but are credentialed academics. We've gathered them together to form the Center for Theology and Mission, and that center is now in partnership with Western Seminary in Portland and Covenant Theological Seminary in St. Louis. For students who engage in those institutions and their accredited online degree programs, we are in partnership with them going to offer one or two classes every term in person for learning community and cohort-based learning taught by local practitioners, credentialed academics who don't live and serve in the academy, but do ministry right here in the neighborhoods that we work and live in. We really believe they'll bring a rich uh, dimension to the instruction and, again, help break down the walls between the churches that have been uh, such a hindrance to ministry in the Northwest for so long. Towards the end of a young rising leader's development, they need assessment. They need um, a tool and some experienced leaders to help them through a process of self-awareness about identifying which direction their gifts are leading them to. That assessment process through Mission to North America part of the PCA's ministry, is robust. It's several days long. It involves a number of pre-loaded tools and exercises um, that are evaluated in a community of people being assessed by a group of experienced assessors. We're going to be bringing that to the Northwest in a year. And then from that, we're going to develop a group of Northwest assessors so that we can adapt and focus the process earlier even in the development of leaders so that we can help groom them. Of course, once someone's in the field, there's the real work to do of sustaining your own life and caring for your own family and uh, building a ministry. We've been doing this all along, and we've learned a great deal about it and need to learn more. But the instruments and elements that we use, the modules essentially are listed below. We provide financial support. My wife, Sandy, uh, oversees all the pastoral family care and makes sure that these folks are not left alone in the field, but that um, she and myself and other leaders are engaging them. Everyone in any vocation needs continued training, and we provide that as well. We're also uh, launching with David Whitehead from City to City a coaching platform so that our established leaders and planters can get individualized or small group based cohort based coaching to help them along. And you may or may not know leadership in the church is an isolating kind of life. So we build and have in Oregon and Seattle established leadership communities, cohorts, a word that you've heard throughout this episode because we believe that leaders together last longer and are more effective. That's how we learn, that's how we grow, and that's how we keep going. I said earlier that this array of uh, ministry elements in our leadership pipeline is probably about 10 years long. Well, that's a long time to think about developing a single leader, but 
perhaps you'll be encouraged to realize that this kind of stuff is happening anyway. It's either happening by accident or it can happen on purpose. It can happen somewhere else or it can happen here. It can happen without their community or it can happen with their community. Our plan is to make it happen here in the churches with the leaders and the community of people God has raised up across the Northwest and to do it intentionally. 10 years seems like a long time, but it's not. These leaders, these young boys we saw are going to be grown men soon. The church has got to help them and others like them ask what their life is for, why God made them and why God gifted them. And that's what we're committed to do. That's our plan for the next 20 years. The Northwest Church Planning Network is a leadership development ministry that raises up leaders to plant churches. Thanks for listening. Please take a look at us at Urbangelical. You can find that at nwcpnetwork.com and then go to the tab. You can find about Pac Rim there too. Please pray for us. Please be part of raising up the next generation of leaders. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Urbangelical is a ministry of the Northwest Church Planting Network in Seattle, Washington. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, please visit nwcpnetwork.com and click podcasts.